The last eight verses in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, we're going to be looking at something that really blessed my heart as I began to study it and look at it in detail. It is an amazing passage of Scripture. It answers a lot of questions, not only about yourself, but about your family. And it's a wonderful thing when you stop and consider that in the middle of all this life that we live, we struggle with one thing, and all of us struggle with the same thing, and that is uncleanness. And we're going to be looking at that today, the cure for uncleanness. Now, I know you were standing a moment ago, but let's stand again just in salute to the Word of God, 12th chapter of Matthew, the last eight verses, beginning with verse 43. And when the unclean spirit, Jesus is speaking, is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from which I came out. And when he has come, now I want you to know the unclean spirit's talking here. He findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, the unclean spirit, and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood without, desiring to speak to him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who is my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward the disciples and said, Behold, my mother, my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. I want to use for a subject to cure for uncleanness. You may be seated. This is actually a very encouraging word from the Lord Jesus Christ. When you first read it, you say, well, that's not encouraging. And there's something about uncleanness. You stop and think about uncleanness. The Bible is very clear that man is born in a place of uncleanness, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uncleanness, and I like to put it like this, there is that awkward uncleanness, then there is that progressive uncleanness, and then there is that aggressive uncleanness. Uncleanness kind of graduates. You ever notice around the house, ladies, how uncleanness, the dust kind of graduates to fur balls. The dishes kind of graduate to it. No longer needs a dishwasher. It needs you scrubbing it with steel wool. You ever notice how uncleanness comes without any, I mean, you can do nothing and your uncleanness will come because the world around us is rottening. The world around us is deteriorating. So there's nothing you have to do in order to find your life in uncleanness. And Jesus speaks of the unclean spirit that's in a man. And that unclean spirit calls 
that man's body his house. How many know if you let an unclean spirit do it, he'll take over? An unclean spirit will take over your life if you don't keep good maintenance in the blood and in the prayer and in the faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It takes good maintenance to keep a car running and purring like a kitten. It takes good, or excuse me, like a lion. Amen. It takes good maintenance to keep uh, things up in, in good order. And the same goes for our life concerning our minds, our heart, our spirit, because our minds are constantly being bombarded by unclean things. Our bodies are being bombarded by unclean things. That's why you need a shower every day. It ain't like we can be a snake and just, you know, just skin out and start over again. Although I've met some folks that just skin out and start over again, like a snake. But I want to point out something that Jesus Christ says that an unclean spirit of man. Now this unclean spirit of man happens to be a spirit that man has from the time he's born. And that unclean spirit will graduate, will escalate, and will become worse and worse. It starts with one drink, it ends up a drunkard. Starts with one smoke, and it ends up hooked on drugs. It starts with one sin and escalates to many sins because an unclean spirit is never satisfied. And a person is never satisfied until they receive the great satisfier. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the great satisfier, amen? Liquor won't satisfy, pills won't satisfy, pleasures of the world won't satisfy, sin and lust won't satisfy, but Jesus satisfies. And he gives us a drink out of a well that's in us, springing up into everlasting life, where we'll never thirst again. Matthew 12, 43 says, and when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. As for me and my house, I'd just as soon all the unclean spirits walk through dry places and, and find no rest. But it keeps coming back. The uncleanness keeps coming back. Unless you have someone bigger inside of you, that unclean spirit will take advantage of you. Let me put it like this. Without the person of Jesus Christ, you are vulnerable to uncleanness. We need to understand that. The Bible says the unclean spirit takes up the house. Notice the phrase, my house. I will, we will. The unclean spirit actually takes over your life if you allow it to. Amen. And as for me and my house, I want Jesus to take over my life. But the unclean spirit of man, it's in man, the unclean spirit takes up house. Verse 44 says, then he saith, I will return unto my house from which I came out and when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Now, we don't know why the unclean spirit leaves the house. I think unclean spirits get discontent. And they look for more dirty places. 
But don't you worry, they'll return if you don't build bulwarks around your life in the person and the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. Demon spirits or unclean spirits can be cast out. Unclean spirits can be preached out of people. Unclean spirits can be, well, you can just receive a new birth and being born again, and the unclean spirit, it's gone. But there are many times people decide that they're going to straighten up their life. So to speak, they're going to turn over a new leaf. Well, I don't care if you turn over the whole tree, it still ain't going to save you. There are hundreds, thousands, millions of people that think, well, if I'll just get this right, this right, this right, God will be pleased. No, if you get your heart right and Jesus cleans you up and takes residence in your life, then God will be pleased. Now, I'm not advocating that you should just give up. I'm telling you that it takes more than you're gritting your teeth and saying, I'm going to be a better person. Amen? Come on, help me preach. This is not the easiest. I mean, we're preaching verse by verse of the Bible, and I'm stuck with this. So you're stuck with this. But the unclean spirit, when, when it leaves the man, Jesus Christ says when it leaves the man. Later on, he said, this is the way this generation will be in the end time, there in verse 45. Even so shall it be the last sentence also unto this wicked generation. So I understand that there is a prophecy, a message concerning Israel in this as well as individual lives. When Jesus Christ came, he came and put away unclean spirits. He cast them out of people. Jesus came and cleaned up the temple twice in the beginning of his ministry and the end of his ministry. Jesus came and cleaned up And then there were those that were not sincere, didn't listen. Then there were those that did receive somewhat of God's touch. But let me say quickly that when Israel rejected Christ, today, though Israel, the land, the promise, the God of Israel keeps his promise, though the nation itself is stooped in uncleanness. Are you hearing me? you don't believe that, just take a visit over there. Uncleanness is all over the world. And Jesus Christ basically is saying, if you don't receive this, this, this life-giving, changing word of God in your life, then you will be worse than ever down the road. And I want to say this real quickly. Israel is facing the worst of times because of their rejection of Jesus Christ. Israel is polluted and contaminated because of its rejection of Jesus Christ. Worse than before, seven times worse. Let's bring it down to um, the individual. How many would agree that Jesus cast out some demons out of people? He removed unclean spirits. I'm convinced that some of those people that had an unclean spirit removed out of them by Jesus never received Jesus, never followed Jesus. They got delivered, but they never, not all of them, but there's some that did not follow Jesus. They took the blessing of God, walked on in their life without letting God come into their life. And so when the unclean spirit is gone out of man, 
I try, uh, you need to understand that that unclean spirit will come back. He'll find the house all clean. He'll find it really clean. He'll find it super clean. He'll find it swept out. He'll find it gone and empty, the Bible says, verse 44. It'll be empty, clean, swept, and garnished, super clean. And when that unclean spirit comes back, he will find it empty. Praise God, when I got born again, the devil came back later on, but he did not find it empty. The unclean spirit left my life when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and when the unclean spirit returned, he said, oh no, oh no. And he told his other seven buddies, don't go in there. There's someone gonna beat the stuffings out of you. Don't you go in there, because there's the Son of God in there. And he'll make demonic devil eggs out of us. Don't go in there. When you get Jesus inside, you're fortified and glorified and magnified before the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will take you through sanctification and glorification and he will deliver you from all uncleanness. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We could stop right now and go home and say we've been in church, but we're not gonna do that because we have an extra hour. The unclean spirit comes and finds, and I want to say this real quickly, and of course, no preacher ever says anything quickly, but anyway, let me say this. When, when Jesus Christ would remove a demon from someone, and I'm not saying they all did not follow Jesus. I'm saying, but there was probably some. You say, how do you know that? The nature of man. Never mistake when God does something good for your life. Never abuse that goodness and that grace that God has brought into your life and never mistake it for permission to live continually in your sins. Well, God bless me at church today. When God does something good for you, don't mistake it for permission to continue in sin. I've seen that as a pastor for years. People mistake a good feeling for permission to go out and get unclean feelings. Amen? We kind of, you know, we kind of get that, uh, we, you know, it's kind of like Catholicism, only this is uh, Protestantism or, or Pentecostalism. Uh, we, we think, well, if we do enough good, then we can do some little bad along the way. That ain't how it works. If I go to church enough, then God will let me slip out to the nightclubs once in a while. If I go to church enough and praise God enough, then a few little filthy words won't matter. What matters is that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. And you can't go to heaven without Jesus Christ possessing you by the Holy Ghost changing your life forever. Amen? So never mistake God doing something good for you for permission to do something bad in the future. Never mistake that. God does things good for us because God's a good God. Amen? And when the unclean spirit returns to, he says, my house from which I came, 
Obviously, he's using the term my house, I came, I'll bring others with me into my house. He's using that term because obviously someone has let him make himself at home. And you can't let, un- you can't let uncleanness make itself at home. You can't make anger or bitterness or unforgiveness on your part make itself at home. You can't let habits, unclean, filthy habits, make itself at home. Because the more it makes itself at home, the more grab and hold it will have on your life. And it's going to take one stronger than him to break the power that Jesus, I preached about this a few weeks ago, a stronger than he that breaks into the house. Jesus does a house break in and he kicks the guy out and, and it takes a radical birth from Jesus Christ, a radical move of God. It takes an invasion of Jesus and his word to set us free. Some people get so bound by unclean spirits and so filthy in their life, it's gonna take God to break in well, I have to give him my permission. Who said? Who said God has to have permission from anyone? He's God. God doesn't have to have permission. Well, I've got to give God permission. No, you don't. God will walk over you like a steamroller. Amen? He'll flatten you out like you're in a hospital room. And someone asked the guy that got ran over by a steamroller, what room you in? And he said, I'm in 47, 48, 49, and 59. <laughs> Amen. So when God does something good for us, it's not permission for us to do bad. And the scripture says that the unclean spirit will come back and he'll bring others with him more wicked than himself. And the worst state of that man will be worse than the first. The the last state of that man will be worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. This generation is so vile. And, And please, please, please hear me. The church is so filthy because we have allowed ourselves to be appeased with just the norm. Christians have become so filthy because they have allowed themselves to be familiar and be comfortable with sins to the point they hate this kind of preaching. Well, I'll just go find somewhere else. It'll be nicer to you. Yeah, you can do that. You can go find someplace else that says you're a good boy. You're a good boy. You're a good girl. Listen, there's none good but one. That's Jesus Christ. And I need to scrub a dub dub myself over and over again. But I'm not going to do it without the cleaning agent of the blood, the water of God's word, the word of God, and the Holy Ghost purifying my spirit. I have to have that. I have to have the preaching of God's word. Amen. And so I think this generation is so wicked partly because we've come a long way, baby, the wrong way. I believe the, I believe the church, and, and trust me, you sing for an hour, praising the Lord, that doesn't give you permission to go out and sin for an hour. You go to church on, you know, you're, the, you're them Sunday morning people. You go to church and enjoy the blessing, but the rest of the week, kick God out, do what I want to do. 
wrong. We come and worship because we love the king. And we don't need music to worship the king. And we don't need preaching actually to follow the king. We are looking to Jesus Christ because the Holy Ghost lives in my, inside of us and, and dwells in the bedrock of our life because we've given, we've given heed to God's word. And God has moved inside of us. Amen? Oh, the next point. I've got to come up and embrace myself on this pulpit. Next point. Look up here. Look up here. I've got to embrace myself on this point. The relatives of Jesus Christ. Whoa. Yeah, the relatives of Jesus Christ. Notice it says in the last part, verse 46 to 50, that while Jesus is preaching, someone comes and says, your mother and brother's outside. They want to talk to you. First of all, they're interrupting the preaching. They're interrupting the service. And they come and say, well, you know, I'm your mother. You've got to listen to me. I'm your brother. I have special privileges. And Jesus said, who is my mother? And who is my brethren? Verse 48. And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and certainly another woman in the room, other women in the room, and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. I want you to notice something, relatives. Notice it says the relatives in verse 46 stood without. Notice the relatives in verse 47 standing without. Verse 46, they're outside. Verse 47, they're outside. Your family may be standing on the outside of your Christian family. Your family may be, I'm not saying always, but your family may be standing on the outside of what's best for your life. Notice they were not in the crowd. In other words, they didn't get there an hour early to get a front row seat. No, they wanted to come along, Johnny come lately in the back and outside and say, hey, hey, go tell them mother's here, brother's here. Interrupt the service. Now, why were they showing up? What was their reason for coming? Well, in Mark chapter 3, they thought Jesus had lost it. Hello? I want you to know, in Mark 3 verse 21, here's what they said about Jesus. And his friends heard of it. They went out to lay hold on him. For he said, he is beside himself. Now, if you read other places where the passage of Scripture, he's talking about his mother and father. His family came because they thought Jesus had lost it. His family friends come to Jesus and said, you've lost it. We've got to go get you some help. You better stay away from that church over there. They'll brainwash you. I've been trying to do that for years, and your brain's still as dirty as ever. It ain't, they'll brainwash you. You better watch that Bible and make you lose your mind. Thank you, Lord. I've lost my mind in the good word of God. And when his friends heard of it, 
they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is beside himself. That word beside simply means nuts. And so his family comes. You can read in other places in the scripture where mom and the, and the brethren come because they're very concerned about Jesus because he's not acting the way they thought he should act. You ever heard someone tell you in your family, well, you know, you don't have to go to church so much. You know, come on. You, 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 you don't have to go to church all the time. You ever had family members say that? Yeah, you know, you get too much of Jesus. Pardon me? Too much of Jesus? Too much church. Pardon me? Hebrews 10, 25, we're to do it even so much the more as we see that day approaching. Yes, you can't get too much church. Now, you may hear family say you get too much church, but you'll never hear your pastor say you're getting too much church. Ain't going to happen from up here. And you know in your heart you're not getting too much of church. You know in your heart you're not getting too much of God's Word. And you know in your heart you're not getting too much of Jesus Christ. But a family will tell you, you know, you're in a cult. You're in a cult. And the only reason they think you're in a cult is because you're committed to Jesus Christ. They think the pastor's the cult leader, but he's not the cult leader. In their mind, they think that Jesus is just a tag-along, that you tag him on certain special days, and that's good enough. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is not a tag thing. It, he is a possessive, controlling, sovereign Lord God who saves us for eternity. Amen. Hello. Are you listening to me? Notice it says, well, let me show you another one. Brother's advice. I'm going to hold the pulpit again. His brother's advice. Now, when we say his brothers, we're not talking about brothers in the Lord. We're talking about his brothers in the flesh. His brothers come to Jesus. His brothers come to Jesus, and they're going to straighten him out. John chapter 7. How'd you like to try to straighten Jesus out? That's nuts. You might try to straighten out the pastor. You might try to straighten out your kids, your family, your church court, but you'll never straighten out Jesus. He'll straighten you out before you have a chance. Amen? Notice in verse 1 of John chapter 7. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. Now, why did he go to Galilee? For he would not walk in Jewry. What is Jewry? Judea. Because the Jews sought to kill him. Why was, he, why was he not preaching in Judea? Because the Jews sought to kill him. That's why he was not there. That's why he went to Galilee. But his brother comes along. Now, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. That means massive amount of people were there in Jerusalem. And his brethren, the brethren there is not you and I, the brethren there is his flesh brothers. And his brethren therefore said unto him, depart hence and go where? In the Judea. That's nuts. He left there because they were trying to kill him. His brother says, go back there and show us your stuff. Depart from hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. 
For there is no man that doeth anything in secret. He himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. So his brother's telling Jesus, telling his own brother, go back into harm's way. Go back in there, stretch your, your, your Holy Ghost muscles, stretch your, your miracles, and show everybody who you are, and show the world, because you're an awesome Messiah. But verse 5 tells us the truth, neither did they believe Neither did his brethren believe in him. They didn't believe Jesus Christ was Messiah. They didn't believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And family members will do you the same way. Well, you know, if you really were a Christian, you wouldn't do this or do that. If you really were a good Christian, you wouldn't do that, and you sure wouldn't forsake your family. You listen to your mother, you listen to your father, listen to your brothers and sisters. What if Jesus would have listened to his brothers there? Huh? The whole motive was wrong. Now, I'm not saying we're to treat our relatives badly. I'm just saying there comes a point when you've got to choose Jesus Christ and his will, then their foolishness. Amen? Well, you know, you need to understand that the family doesn't have your best interest in mind, they have their best interest in mind. Now they think they've got your best interest in mind, but they don't because they would be, they would be jumping, shouting, glorifying God when you come to Jesus Christ. Amen? But oh no, well, glad you came to Jesus. Woo, son, I'm sure glad you came to Jesus. Daughter, I'm glad you came to Jesus. Woo, I'm so glad you're going to heaven. And then when you start living like you're wanting to go to heaven and you start serving God radically and honoring God radically, they say, oh, that wasn't what we wanted. Hello. I'm preaching better than you're responding now. And so they tell Jesus, we want you to show your stuff, prove to us. Now let me say this to you today. You have nothing to prove to your earthly mother. You have nothing to prove to your earthly father. You have nothing to prove to your brothers, your sisters, your siblings. You have only that which you need to prove to Jesus Christ. Now we should be extremely in love with our parents. We should be extremely in love with our family. But we need to be more so extremely in love with Jesus Christ. And that's the whole message that Jesus is giving. That you need, you have nothing to prove to your family. Nothing. Well, you know, they see you, they, they know the old you. They watch you grow up from a baby. They, they see the old you. They, they, and your brothers and sisters and friends see the old you. They don't see the new you because they don't have eyes to see the new you. Only Christians have eyes to see the new you. And only God has eyes to see the new you because people who see the old you are not in best interest for you. They need to see the new you. 
Come on. Woo! Praise the Lord. That's why you need to rip your clothes and throw sackcloth and ashes on your head right there. Amen. Glory to God. We should be extremely in love with our mother and father. We should be extremely in love with our family. And Jesus Christ is not teaching otherwise. But he is teaching that if you're going to go to heaven, you've got to understand that your family is unclean too. They stand without. Two, they may not be standing with you. They may be standing on the outside. You say, preacher, you're talking about the mother of Jesus. Yeah. Now, I can kind of excuse the boys, the brothers. I'm going to excuse them. They grew up with Jesus. But the mama had a, had a first encounter with Gabriel. I can't, you know, I have a hard time excusing mama in that area. But the brothers, and by the way, I can't hardly excuse the brothers either because Jesus was that perfect child that Mary always said to James and John and the other siblings, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? Your brother Jesus never says anything bad. Your brother Jesus always obeys me except when he says God wanted him to do something. Your, your brother Jesus, why can't you be like your brother Jesus, old brother? No wonder those brothers had a problem with Jesus. Get out there and prove you're the son of God. Get out there and perform miracles. You have nothing to prove to anybody except your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and yourself that you have passed from death unto life. Makes no difference what I think about it. Makes no difference what your siblings think about it. Makes no difference what your old past friends think about it. Makes no difference what anybody in the church thinks about it. Makes no difference what anybody thinks about your past or your present. What matters is that what you know, your relationship with Jesus Christ, you have nothing to prove but your love and your respect and your honor to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's all you have. You just have to please one person in your whole life. You please Jesus Christ, and those that have your best interest in life, you will please them automatically. Amen? I, uh, we'll come to the last verse, and then we'll wrap this up. I told you I'd get through chapter 12 of Matthew. Last verse. So we'll preach at the last verse. How long is that going to take you? Oh, I'll be done in an hour. No, the last verse. Now, before we read the last verse, let's say that Jesus Christ said, who is my brother, who is my mother? And I want you to know, I have eight brothers, two sisters. Some of them have went on to be with the Lord. But I am closer to you that are blood washed in Christ than I am to my siblings that don't know Jesus. I have a family that's bigger than 11. I have a family that are millions. 
I have sisters in this room. I have brothers in this room. And some of you are so old, I have mothers in this room. And I lost it there. There went the attendance. I'm close to my brothers in the Lord. I'm close to my sisters in the Lord. And Jesus Christ is trying to say, it's not your earthly family that decides your eternal destiny. It's your heavenly family, your born-again family, that decides the group you go to heaven with. Isn't that beautiful? Now let's read the last verse of chapter 12. And whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother, sister, and mother. Boy, that opens up a can of theological worms. Boy, that, that opens up a lot of discussion, what is the will of God? Well, we need to understand what is the will of God in its context here. What is Jesus Christ talking about, the will of God? In its context, what is he talking about? What is the will of God? That you have brothers and sisters in the Lord. Brothers and sisters are born again. What is the will of God? Now, we can have all kinds of, well, it's God's will that you cut your hair a certain way. It's God's will that you wear certain clothes. It's God's will that you do this and you do that. No, 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 no. Well, it's God's will you endure to the end. Well, it's God's will you grit your teeth and you bear it and you struggle through it. No, 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 no. The Bible says in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. It is an atmosphere of a relationship with Christ. What is the will of God? It may be the will of God for you to clean the church this week. I sh I'm sure it's the will of God that you take me to Colton's for a steak dinner. <laughs> I am incredibly overwhelmed and humbled that you would think I deserve a big old ribeye steak this week. That has to be God's will. No, that's the pastor's will. So Jesus is talking about relationships. So what is God's will? Well, he says, you do the will of God. There in Matthew chapter 12. Let's read that again. For whosoever shall do the will of God, or do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. So what's he talking about? He's talking about his brother, sister, and mother. Talking about his relationship with you and the family of God. So what is the will of God? Right here in John chapter 6, verse 39 and verse 40. This is, that's pretty clear, isn't it? This is the Father's will. Pretty clear. This is the Father's will which has sent me that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. In other words, Jesus is going to save us, redeem us, claim us, and preserve us, but should raise it up again at the last days. In other words, this is the will of the Father, 
that I give people eternal life and I raise him up at the last day. This is the will of him, verse 40, that sent me. And everyone that seeth the Son, believe it on him, may have everlasting life. I will raise him up at the last day. What is the will of God? That you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the will of the Father? Is that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. What is the will of the Father? He called you. He convicted you. He chose you. Gave you to his Son so that you will have eternal life. What is the Father's will? God so loved the world. The Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What is the Father's will? That all would come to repentance. That all. God is long-suffering. The Father is long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to him, come to God by repentance. That is the Father's will. And so many times we get the Father's will all mixed up because we think the Father's will is some mysterious, horrific thing that we've got to do and endure in order to please the Father. Let, let me tell you, friends, you, the Father, Jesus Christ pleased the Father, and if you'll get in Jesus Christ, the Father will be pleased with you. Jesus Christ pleased the Father. Amen? What did it say at the baptism of Jesus? The heavens opened, Spirit of God descended like a dove, lighted upon Jesus as John the Baptist baptized him in Jordan. He says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well. Pleased. It was well pleasing to the Father that he come and was born of the Virgin Mary. It was well pleasing to the Father that he come and keep the law to the to the every dotting of the I and every crossing of the T. It was well pleasing to God that Jesus Christ would come and reconcile the world unto himself, and that Jesus his son would give him give the world his father's words and, and that Jesus would go to the cross and die and, and receive the wrath of God, the wrath of the Father, the judgment of the Father so that you and I can have eternal life. It pleased the Father that Jesus Christ be bruised in Isaiah 53. It pleased him. It pleased the Father. He gave his son to die on the cross of Calvary. He didn't have to, but he did so. God didn't have to, but he did so. The Father didn't have to watch his son bleeding down the cross of Calvary, but he did so. Why? Because he so loves you. And it so pleased the Father when they took the lifeless dead body of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It so pleased the Father when they put the dead body of Jesus Christ in the tomb. It so pleased the Father the death of Jesus so pleased the Father. The sacrifice of Jesus so pleased the Father. The miracles of Jesus so pleased the Father. The life of Jesus so pleased the Father that the Father, God, raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Hmm. So you want to be pleasing to the Father? Hook up with Jesus Christ. I didn't say hook up with the church. Didn't say hook up with people. Hook up with Jesus. But you can't hook up until the Father backs up the hitch. 
Well, I'll just go up there anytime I want to and receive Jesus. Wrong. No man comes to the Son except the Father which sent him draw him. You can't just decide today you're going to be born again. It takes a break-in to your house by the conviction power of the Holy Ghost. God has to convict you. You know what's missing in the churches around the world today? Conviction. You know what's missing in the churches around the world today? Seriousness. As God is pulling people to his son, not people running forward to shake a hand or running forward to say, I do now receive Jesus Christ. Like you're doing something that, that you're helping God along. Amen. I've heard him say of great singers, you know, if, if that great singer just gave his heart to Jesus, look what God could do with that great singer. Really? God has a shortage of music in heaven. Really? Do we really have a shortage of music in the church? No, we don't. Some of the best music in the churches today, Branson can't even hold a candlelight to. Amen? I'd sing for you right now, but it costs you $49.95. <laughs> With no refunds or lawsuits. <laughs> yeah, John says, I'll pay that. I'll double that if I don't have to. But anyway, what's pleasing is for you to say, look, my life's unclean. And I can't just decide to clean it up. I need a power that's greater than I to clean it up. I can't just decide to quit drinking. I can't just decide to quit doing this or quit doing that. Oh, you can, and you may succeed for a while, but there'll be something else. When that unclean spirit will come back, and you'll find yourself dirty. And you'll, you'll go back to where you were, and you'll be worse than ever. And you come to church for a while and say, I tried Jesus, and I cleaned my life up, but you, the problem is you, you cleaned your life up. Jesus didn't. That's the problem. It's a real problem when you do the cleaning and not Jesus doing the cleaning. And Jesus will do the cleaning when the Father draws you and gives you to the Son. So what I got to do, what I got to do for the Father to draw me? You got to listen. And you got to put yourself under the voice of God's Word. And you've got to put yourself under Bible preaching, convicting presence of God. For it is there where God will convict and draw. Now, God convicted me when I was working at, here's a name you ain't heard for a while, Fasco. Working at Fasco. I, I wore a size 28 waist pants, 32 long pants, legs, bell bottoms. Man, I was a hot one. Wow. I had the little old V T-shirt. Remember the V T-shirts? How embarrassing and awkward. I'm telling you, uncleanness is embarrassing. Anyway, I had the little V T-shirt. And my teenage hairs are sticking out. Man, I look good. I'm wearing my bell bottoms, my thin pants. I'm skinnier than Judy when I first met her. 
And did I leave out? I got a goatee. And I'm working at Fasco in the middle of the night. And God just reaches down and slaps the sin out of me. I mean, he just slaps me silly. Convicts me. I run to Jesus Christ. And for three weeks, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I, I, I forgot to drink. I forgot to drug. I forgot to cuss. Three weeks later, I thought, oh, wow. I forgot how to cuss. Oh, wow. I forgot drinking. And suddenly dawned on me, wow. Father, thank you for slapping me. God changed my life. Three weeks, I couldn't eat or sleep. Three, I woke up one morning, head down in the floorboard of my car, feet sticking out the window. It's snowing like crazy. It's behind Murphy's Supermarket. Actually, uh, back then, just before Tony Evans saw me and there where Cox Cell Barn used to be, and I got my feet sticking out the window. My head's down in the floorboard, and I wake up, and I'm just sobbing. I I wasn't asleep. I just came to myself sobbing. And God literally changed my life. He changed me from a drunk to a Christian. He changed me and gave me eternal life. Three weeks. I'm not saying you've got to spend three weeks. But you do have to spend some time with the Father convicting you and drawing you. You know, it took me three weeks because I was stupid. I didn't know the Bible. I wasn't listening to God's Word. I wasn't going to church. It took me three weeks because I had not the knowledge of God. That's why it took me three weeks. People can get saved in just a few minutes or a few seconds if the heart's right and God's drawing. I'm not telling you you got to go through what I went through. But six weeks after I was saved, I preached my first revival. Six weeks after I saved, I saved, I preached my first revival. My second revival, a guy asked me, he said, you want to come to my church and preach a revival? I said, sure do. He said, well, we're going to go a week. And I'm thinking, week, 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 week. I only have one sermon. (laughs) And I go up there and I preach at Crocker, Missouri. And every service, I only had one ser- sermon, turn or burn. You're going to hell. If you don't get saved, you're going to burn. Second night, I'm telling you, you're going to burn if you don't know Jesus. Hell is real. Third night, hell is after you. You're going to die and plunge into the wrath of God and burn in hell forever. Fourth night, same thing. Fifth night, same thing. One of the deacons came up to me and he said, do you have a different sermon? And I said, no. He said, go ahead, preach the hell out of it. We had people coming from the, from the school wanting to know who that crazy preacher was telling everybody that's going to hell. They were scared to death. 
kids were coming to the church after school saying, what do I got to do to keep from going to this place you're talking about? All they can talk about in school is hell this and hell that, hell that, and I don't want to go there. In three days, 27 teenagers were born again. They were adults saved in that meeting, but who's counting them? I said they were adults saved in that meeting, but who's counting them? 27. Last night of service. It's cold. It's dark. And I preached a long sermon on hell. And the preacher says, we got to baptize all these people. And so we get in the car and we drive down to some, I'm going to call it Crocker Creek because I don't know what the creek's names are there. And we baptized 27 in the car headlights. In the dark, in the car headlights, baptized them. And I went home and I turned to Judy on the way back home and I said, now we had a revival. And Judy said, you preached the hell out of them. Maybe that would work again. You think? All right, you got all you're going to get today. We'll be in the 13th chapter of Matthew next Sunday. Roundtable discussion tonight concerning what next for Israel, what next for the church. And uh, Brother Jimmy Harris will be with us tonight for that at 6 o'clock. Start a new series, The Evacuation of the Church on Wednesday night. I want to encourage you, get in. Let me say it again. I want to encourage you, get in. Just get in. Say, well, I can't drive at night. You can't drive in the daytime. Get in. <laughs> Find someone to drive you. Get a hold of someone that, you know, that said, I owe you. Call them up and say, you owe me? Yep, you're taking me to church tonight. You're taking me to church. Put them on a guilt trip. You know that neighbor says, I'll do anything for you. Thank you. Take me to church. Amen? Amen. Hello? I got to quit. What a wonderful way to wrap up this walk of ours in Christ. To see the church evacuated. To see what's happening all around us. And to be so excited in Christ. My question as we give an invitation, Josh going to bring us on. My question to you, have you ever really been convicted of your sin? Have you ever really been drawn by the Spirit of God to Christ? Are you really, truly my brother or my sister or my mother? Are you really Jesus' sister or Jesus' brother or Jesus' mother? Are you really in the family? I'm talking about the family of God. Pray, pray for your family that stands on the outside. Pray for the family that stands on the outside. Pray for your family that criticizes or says something negative toward you. Pray for them. Love them and be good to them. But remember, your top priority is your family in Christ, your Savior, your Redeemer.
your Lord. Let's all stand. Give an invitation.